Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to this week's episode of Lost Without Japan, a podcast based on Japan and your Lost Without Moments. This is your Director of Travel, along with Nathan, the Director of Sales for TKIC Studio Productions, coming to you with positive thoughts and excitement for your next journey to Japan and my own when I return in summer 2023. I'd like to thank you all for giving me a bit of your time today. And I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we could all use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times. And my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning Lost Without listener, thank you again for your time and for returning once more. As always, the advertising I include in my shows is done for free and is to help continue to promote the friends of the show that we've interviewed in the past. If you're able to help the show and its goals, you can look to join the show's Patreon and help me work towards the, you know, realizing some things for the show that hopefully would allow me to put out more than just my two episodes currently per month. If you're unable to help financially, get I get it. I'm a father of two and do it all on my own. Um, but I would appreciate so much then if you could share the show with your friends and family that you think, you know, would possibly enjoy our interviews and day trip ideas as well. Let's start today's show on Hakone with some positive mental imagery. And let's imagine that today is the time for you to make your way from either our previous location of Gifu or possibly from Tokyo to begin your adventure today. Now, before your train leaves from Gifu Station or Shinjuku Station in Tokyo, if you're just beginning your adventure, please remember to double check that you have all your luggage, your passport, and your phone before you get out of the Lost Without Japan rideshare. You have made it. Today's the day you continue your journey throughout Japan. As you're ready or leaving from Gifu Station or the JR Tokaido Local Rapid or Special Rapid train to Nagoya and then board that Shinkansen Kodoma or Shinkansen Hikari to Odawara before transferring to Odawara Station's bus stop and board the Odawara Hakone to Hakone. I know it's a mouthful, but we have it all there for you. (laughs) Maybe... You're choosing to drive uh, on your own or leave from Tokyo Station. What, No matter what it is, we'll help you make sure that your day trip or multiple day trip is all that you have been hoping for. So relax, take a deep breath, and come along with your tour group managers as we make sure that you are going to make your very own loss without moments. As you pass through the ticket gate, Make sure to stay with your tour group and let's see how your preparation for your next trip is going. Remember, you can always reach out to the show at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com or lostwithoutjapan on Instagram. 
As always, you can access the show's document, Google Doc, at any time by looking at our show notes and see all that we have to offer and all the links that we have for our recommendations for travel and just access to past music and past episodes that we've had as well. So my first question for you today is, how is that Dreams Come True saving account going? Hopefully you're beginning to see this grow, you've forgotten about it, and just pleasantly surprised by your progress. Remember, no account is too small, and what matters is that we're either taking that first step or continuing to move forward together. Feel free to take advantage of your travel planner at any time for support or just celebrating your success together. What are you looking to purchase next? I just purchased a set of reusable metal straws for my next trip to Japan. I've seen that even McDonald's Japan in the news recently is transitioning over to paper straws. I like knowing that my straw will hold up over time and it even allows me to use them now and not take those plastic straws uh, as I'm out and about and grabbing my meals. Did a lot of research for these straws. You wouldn't think so. But if you click the link that we have for Amazon recommended things, you can rest assured that your 32 ounce drink will hold up over time as they are for me right now. So remember to take advantage of these links. And I'm truly thankful for the interactions and recommendations and just communication with all of you. It's been wonderful and is one of the ways that our show guest is coming to you today. As always, today's stamp to take you directly to our talk on Hakone can be found in the show's Google Doc. Link to this document can be found in today's show notes. I truly feel lucky that we have each other on this journey, and I'm looking forward for both of us to support your goals, my goals, and just all of our dreams. Thank you so much for setting aside some time today. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Nathan Sepulveda. And first, I'd just like to thank you, Mike, the show, all the work you've done here, and this invitation to come speak on the podcast. It really is awesome to just talk about Japan. I, I want to say, like, uh, you begin talking to people uh, that love Japan and you find... I mean, you have something in common to begin with, but there's a lot of things that you begin to find that you have in common. Uh, and that could be uh, to the games that we were both talking about ahead of time <laughs> or, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> yep. some of our interest and things like that. But you're on the opposite end of me. I'm I'm in uh, Chicago. You are in uh, California and mm -hmm. uh, make me super jealous by all the things that you have access to that I uh, don't. Uh, but why don't you give me a little bit of uh, your California backstory, my friend? Sure, absolutely. So I like to say very sarcastically that I have this really interesting backstory because I was born and raised here in Southern California, which we'll call SoCal from here on out. And uh, my family never moved. And so I went to college in SoCal. I'm currently living in SoCal. My wife is my high school sweetheart, for example. And so unlike many of the guests that you've had on, I've Never lived anywhere else, even for a short time. And so I feel like a very unlikely person to being here. And so I'm really grateful and um, excited to be on this podcast and doing something like this. Why don't you go ahead and share a little bit about uh, your family, even if they may not be, you know, 21 and 15 like my own? 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. So obviously, uh, I'm a husband and I'm a father of three and they are uh, five, seven and nine right now. So certainly not not there, but I'm, I'm not in any rush because, you know, you only get to they only cuddle up with you for so long, right? Before they're like, ah, I don't I don't I don't need you anymore. So I'm, you know, trying trying to enjoy that while I'm while I have it. So I'm a full time software engineer with a, a minor obsession with pizza and I would say a self-proclaimed nerd. Um, I think everybody who knows me would also say that uh, my family, we love board games. I know you can see behind me here. I've got a whole collection of them. And I may or may not have over 100 boarding card games sitting here in my office in various places. I've, I've also heard you mention D&D, and I love D&D. I don't get to play as much as I would like. I used to DM a, a group here with my wife and some friends. Um, it's really fun until they get extra creative, and then DMing becomes quite difficult. <laughs> but uh, that's been really fun. And Magic the Gathering, too. I've, I've used to play a lot of that, but time and money man they're in short supply these days especially with the kids and all their activities and stuff so i'm holding off on that for now maybe my kids will get into it a little bit more so you know between all the things in my life right kids sports family activities i serve at church on sundays date nights with the wife maintaining friendships and obsessing about things like board games and pizza uh i have somehow found a way to squeeze in this passion for japan and it's one, my friend, uh, you know, we do. We juggle so much. I think it's everybody with or without a family in our day-to-day -day, um, lives. But if Japan is a part of your interest, I, I feel like you do all you can to really make that uh, a part of your life and on a Absolutely. regular basis. So one of these days, my friends, uh, we're either going to have to do a remote D&D &D group together or just, you know, maybe have that be uh, a Japan-based one. <laughs> You know, as oh, well. that would be awesome. That you would know? be awesome. I'd like it. I'd like it. Uh, and we, we talk about your love of Japan, but why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners uh, how you fell in love uh, with this wonderful country? And maybe you want to add on as well, just a little bit about your first uh, trip. Like many people who have kind of fallen in love with Japan, especially those of us here in the, the States, uh, it really came through... Uh, anime, video games, Pokemon, like all these sort of things that bled in the media that kind of bled in. I mean, I remember watching Toonami, right? Cartoon, there's, there's all these, all these things. And so definitely junior high, high school era, I was watching a lot of anime. Um, and, you know, it's cool. There's lots of, you know, amazing and mystical things in there, but there's also all that culture that kind of bleeds, bleeds through there a bit. And, it really stuck with me and it really, it really stayed with me, but I didn't really focus on it at that time. It wasn't until my first trip to Japan. I had a few friends. They were talking about going to Japan. I thought, Ooh, I want to go. That would be super fun, right? That would be cool. And, uh, my wife was pregnant at the time and was like, Oh, you can't go right now. <laughs> Understandably. So she's like, but once the baby's born six month old, I mean, all I'm going to be doing here is breastfeeding and changing diapers there's nothing else to do it's our first kid so she's like if you move it to next year you could go so i convinced them and we did so in 2016 i got to go with with two of my friends and i want to say it is really those lost without moments that you talk about that create that that kind of connection and that love for japan i, I specifically remember on that first trip walking through osaka 
we pulled into a station. It was Osaka Jokoen Station. It's right outside the castle there, the Osaka Castle. And, and right on the other side of the river is the financial district where we happened to be staying. And I saw this graffiti in an underpass as we pulled into this station and a man was walking through it. And it was kind of very mysterious. And I've never seen graffiti in Japan at that point. It's so clean. I thought, whoa, what's going on here? And I just I got really intrigued about it. And so later that night, we decided to walk under there just to see where, where the heck does this go? Where was this guy going? And, you know, it walked along the river and we turned into a neighborhood real quiet, right? It's late. And we walked for, I don't know, about half a mile. And then the street opened up a bit to a more major thoroughfare. And there was this 24 hour grocery store and it was lit up like Disneyland or Vegas. It was just bright, all the bulbs, you know everywhere and we go inside and we're shopping for snacks and stuff and there's beyonce it's so surreal it's playing and the music I'm, i was i was really confused at where i was you know here i am picking up melon pond and we've got beyonce playing and and so you know we shopped for some snacks and stuff and okay that was fine and you know we exited and across the street which we hadn't really noticed before was the single door and it had those curtains above it, which I now know mean that the shop is open right at the time. I didn't know what the little little curtains meant. It had a single light, and it was sort of this this lit area in the darkness that really drew your attention. It was very intriguing. And like if you were playing a video game, you knew like that that's where you had to go next, right? That was the game telling you. So life was telling me to go over there. And <laughs> it had a menu sitting there in the front and no pictures on this menu. No, nothing like one of those fancy, fancy restaurants, with just lists of words. And we sat there trying to decipher it. You know, Google Translate was a thing, but you couldn't use your camera back then. I guess Google yes. Lens was 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 back then, but we didn't we didn't know. And so we were like a five year old between the three of us. We had the knowledge of a five year old, you know, a little hiragana, a couple of kanji. So we're sitting there trying to figure out what the heck this is. And one of the staff members pops her head out of the door to see if we could, you know, use any help. Were we coming in? And she didn't speak English. We didn't speak Japanese. And it was just a horrible, awful encounter for a moment there, right? You're like, awkward. I don't know what to say. And then she, she kind of disappears. We thought, okay, we're good. We're good. We go, you go back to figuring out the menu, right? And the, the guy from behind the grill because there's a little window you could kind of see inside, pops his head out. And again, awkward. We're trying to tell him we're not. We're just looking, right? We don't, we don't know what to do. And I don't know if you, you know this, but in, in Japanese, the um, right? We say um a lot. That's a normal part of speech patterns. Theirs is eto or ano. And so he just lets out this really long eto. <laughs> and then we all laugh awkwardly. We apologize <laughs> and we leave. And but that that place was just stuck in my head. Couldn't get it out of my head. So the next night we went back and they we walked into the place this time. They sat us in like the back corner where they probably hoped nobody would see us. And we spent 30 minutes trying to figure out that menu. Ultimately figured out a few things we knew we would like. We're like, oh, that's liver. No, we don't think we want that. Oh, that's heart. No, I don't think we want that. And ordered a bunch of random stuff, too. And it was amazing. It was so fantastic. Figured out it was an izakaya serving yakitori. And, you know, the atmosphere was smoky. 
not necessarily something I like, but it really lent itself to the mood of the place. The salarymen where they're blowing off steam after work, drinks, sukune. Um, oh, man, I couldn't have asked for a better experience. It was I was hooked after that. And this was probably my second or third night in Japan. Right. I had just just getting acclimated and I loved it so much. Our last night in Osaka, I went back and sat by myself at the counter this time and ordered the three things I knew how to say and just watched and ate and watched. And it was just it was amazing. So is it and yakitori is one of my favorite things as well. And my one friend, Steve, we did our journey where we were able to go together uh, and I was able to be the tour guide for them in uh, 2019. And that was one of his favorite things as well. And he began searching out any and all opportunity, even finding like grocery stores that had like sections of it was there. And whenever we found a yakitori place, we knew to just message Steve and be like, hey, buddy, here's another place. If you want to check it out, it, it would be so Add funny because you'd yeah. know he, he, he'd either head directly there or he'd hit it eventually. So it, it was wonderful, my friend. It was wonderful. And um, I know. Just from our talks and things like that, you have uh, a wonderful family. And if you don't mind, uh, what else would you like to uh, share about them as well? My wonderful, wonderful wife is the reason I've had any privilege at all to go back to Japan after that first trip. I mean, she was also the reason I got to do the first trip. Every time an opportunity comes up, it's not even an opportunity I created necessarily. Sometimes it's her idea or somebody mentioned something. Oh, Nathan, Nathan will go with you, you know, and he'll show you around and he'll help you out. And I've taken my mom, I've taken her grandma, you know, I've, I've, I've done all these things and it's all because of her. And she suffered at home with the kids. Uh, each time we're having a new kid, I'm going to Japan and, and she'd have someone stay with her. And, you know, now that I think about it, man, it's, I sound like a horrible, horrible husband, but um, they were all her idea most of the time. And, you know, you can't threaten me with a good time. So she's been wanting to go to Japan, naturally, seeing me go. Uh, she had her own fascination with it. Memoirs of Geisha, for example, uh, things like that, that she's she's had her own um, kind of glimpse. And she watches some anime as well. And so we had an anniversary trip. We're like, we we're going to go. We're finally going to go just the two of us. And of course it was 2020 and COVID hit. And I think the thing that kills us is we decided not to go because of the U S setting their travel warning at a certain level, but our flight wasn't canceled. And had we gone, we would have landed four hours before Japan closed the borders and we would not have been asked to leave because no one was initially. So we would have made it and we would have got to explore Japan but we probably would have had a two week quarantine coming back. So we're kind of glad we we didn't. But it's been tough. So we've we've had to reschedule multiple times, move our flights. And the last time we moved it, we moved it to November of 2022. And what do you know? Japan's open as of October 11th. So we are finally going. So excited. I know a lot of listeners of this show have most likely felt the pain that you and I have felt with rescheduling and rescheduling and just wondering uh, when things would actually open up again. So it is a huge deal that it is. And I know that during that COVID time, I decided to start my podcast. But you, my friend, kind of are going about a different plan when it comes to Japan. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about that? Because 
I know you said earlier that all you've lived in was uh, SoCal your your time, but I, I feel, you know, you you are deserving of being on the show, and I'll let you go ahead and talk about that. The, during the pandemic, right, we're all cooped up, and just like you started this podcast, sort of your therapy, right, stay close to Japan and uh, maybe help plan your own future trips, help other people plan their trips, um, which is which has been awesome, awesome to, to listen to. I found that going to Japan, taking different people every time, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed showing people the country, bringing them to those experiences, watching them go through it, and discovering new things with them, and having those moments where I'm going, I don't know, but let's do this together, right? And I decided to start my own travel company while the borders were closed. I'm, I'm still not sure if that was a good idea, so <laughs> that remains to be seen, but that's what I decided to do. I started a little LLC, my wife and I, and uh, started getting all set up, waiting for the borders to open, and they are now. And so my plan, because again, I'm a full-time software engineer, my plan is to guide tours twice a year, maybe three times a year if there's demand for it. And most of these tours, I mean, I'll be honest, they will focus on that golden route, right? Kyoto, Tokyo, Kyoto, Osaka. And first-time travelers, and definitely on affordability. I've looked at a lot of tour companies out there, and they are expensive. And I don't have the overhead that a lot of these companies have. I'm not paying additional guides. I'm the guide. And, and so I can kind of offer it at a lower price, and it's all stuff that I've personally experienced, so I'm confident in them. Not everyone wants a guide, though, right? Some people are like, oh, I don't need a guide. I don't want to be stuck with a group of 10 people or whatever it happens to be. So I, I'm also building these self-guided documents that you can buy a self-guided tour i've done all the planning for you i give you beautiful documents to guide you each day and they just help you get from a to b and tell you what to experience kind of in that area and um, i'm actually planning on uh, i hadn't mentioned this planning on providing one of those documents in the show notes for any for the area that we're going to be talking about today hakone uh for anybody to use if they want to if they happen to plan a day trip there Love it, Nathan. And uh, I got to tell you all, the route that he's going to be talking about here in a little bit is like one that I would say stands on its own. Before pulling into Hakone and the station for myself today, let's move on with the show and let's learn a little bit about the city of Hakone and some of the routes available for your adventure. Now, there are a lot of ways to get there. And I know that most of our travel group is going to be arriving from Gifu, if you've been following along with us to this point. And for that trip, you can expect for it to take around three and a half hours uh, to get you from the Kawakai and bus stop in Hakone and have a cost of around $93 to do so. If you have the JR Pass, you're really only out 6 to $10. For the rest of the group that's traveling directly from Tokyo, Hakone ends up being around a one-hour, 26-minute trip by car, and you can also take a Shinkansen directly from Tokyo to Odawara Station uh, for about 35 minutes, and then that's going to be a bus transfer from the Kawakayen, uh Station and a trip of an, an additional 34 minutes. One example of an itinerary like this has me heading out of Tokyo Station, where trains depart every 10 minutes, and you can see really what works best for you and what you're looking to do from Odawara Station to Hokkaido Station. 
buses are about every 15 minutes. So you can really make it work the best for you and explore areas and not really feel like I have to get from place to place to place. Flights are really not an option, though, my friends, <laughs> you know, from Tokyo. And this really, I think, has to do with just distance away. This is a day trip um, option and adventure and things that we have. So another option you can choose to do is the highway bus from Shinjuku Station. And the ones that I found are operated by Adokyu, which is through Gotemba and takes you around two and a half hours with an average cost of about $13.75 one way. So if you're not doing the JR Pass or your JR Pass has expired, this is something wonderful, but doesn't stop there, my friends, because you can talk about the Hakone Free Pass, which covers a part of the journey as well. And you can buy your bus tickets from the Oroyoku Highway Bus Station in Shinjuku Station, which is located at the west exit on the first floor. And luckily, buses seem to run every 30 minutes. But you do need to reserve your seats in advance. And my friends, if you're heading to Japan soon, I would recommend doing all that you can in advance because you're going from zero to 60. And, you know, just like here, everywhere is short staffed. So book ahead, do all that you can. And when you arrive, my life hack for right now is when you are at Tokyo Station, if you're in Tokyo Station and you activate that JR Pass, go ahead and leave from activating it and go directly to where you normally have to go and just get your tickets ahead of time for your journey. You can always change it later, but the last thing you want to have happen is have your trip be impacted in a negative way. And you can even leave from Haneda Airport to Hakone with a combination of variety of things. Uh, being separate trains and buses, and that'd be about $40, and the Tokyo Station trip is about $45. Night buses, again, not really an option, short distance. And one thing to take into account when visiting Hakone is that the Hakone Yumoto Station has lockers, and you can thank Nathan for finding these, my friends, because I did not see them originally. Uh, so if you happen to also want to explore, explore Odawara, before you get to Hakone, there are coin lockers there as well. And maybe you just want to throw your things in as you go to grab supplies, like I'll talk about a little bit later. If you're not uh, using Hakone Yumoto Station for your visit, I definitely would just reach out to your lodging and see what options you have for dropping off your luggage before you run out and begin your journey. And my friends, a lot of these places, especially for the prices that we are paying to... Uh, you know, enjoy these different locations, they will accommodate you and they will set something to the side. Uh, just reach out ahead of time just to make sure. For today's journey, we're going to be operating our normal travel routes as well as find out some pretty unique ways to travel in style for your journey. I'm going to let Nathan kick us off today and share a little bit more about Hakone. Your train has arrived. As you board the Limited Express Romance car from Shinjuku Station to Hakone, don't forget to take a breath and appreciate that you are in Japan. Store your luggage on the overhead shelves and get comfortable in the plush vermilion seats as your Limited Express Romance car chugs along the mountain tracks. Hopefully, you were able to sit in the front car with the observation windows that give a full view of the cities and mountains you pass. If you have an opportunity, try to book your seats in advance online. There, 
you can select front observation deck or rear observation deck for your seat selection. The view from these seats is really worth taking the extra time to book in advance. Love it, my friend, and so jealous that you chose that first. So. <laughs> uh, for Hakone, it, it is located in the Kanagawa Prefecture and is a popular destination for people within and outside of Japan because of the many hot springs and amazing views of Mount Fuji. Hakone is located in the mountains on the west of the prefecture near the Hakone Pass within the borders of the Fuji Hakone Izu National Park by Lake Ashi. And if you don't mind, uh, Nathan, why don't you give us a little bit more uh, about the history of our area that we're going to be visiting today? Yeah, so Hakone is a volcanic area southwest of Fuji. The lake there, which I believe you mentioned, Lake Ashi, is a crater lake. It's believed to have formed when Mount Hakone erupted over 3,000 years ago. Because of all the volcanic activity there, Hakone is a popular place, as, as I believe you also mentioned, to experience the hot springs, onsen. And so there's also a lot of ryokan, or the Japanese guest houses there. The actual town of Hakone sits on the southern side of the lake, where the Tokaido Road passes through. And if you don't know, the Tokaido Road was one of the main travel and trade routes that connected Kyoto and Tokyo during the Edo period. Hakone was a post town. A post town was basically a rest stop on the long journey. You would eat, spend the night, kind of rest up. And many of these post towns naturally have disappeared with time because with modern, you know, travel, we don't we don't need these post towns anymore. There are still some left, though, and uh, Hakone is one of them. And, and you'll notice that a lot of times they're very small and very kind of sparse. There, there are actually four other roads like the Tokaido that were used to travel across Japan during the Edo period. One of those roads, I just really want to highlight it, is called Nakasendo. It's a fantastic road to explore. There is a tour from Walk Japan, totally plugging a, you know, different uh, <laughs> tour company here, but uh, walkjapan.com that takes you along Nakasendo Way and through some of these post towns. And I, I haven't done it yet myself, but my wife and I have seen that. It just looks so amazing, and we really are looking forward to, to doing that one day. And that's one thing, uh, Nathan, I can't help uh, but thank you enough for kind of bringing this up and having us be the one we're talking about, because I found a lot of things that I really enjoyed. And with things opening back up, the festivals that are in this area are one of them. And I really feel that if you're traveling in 2023, especially summer or next um, autumn, you're really going to be able to enjoy some amazing festivals that are a lot of them even take place along the shores of Lake Ashi. And some of these festivals are a great chance to have Matsuri. The fest uh, these festivals can stem from past beliefs where there's a dragon that lived in the bottom of Hakone's main lake. And the week-long festivities involve music, dancing, local groups, and some wonderful food that lead up to firework festivals that took place all around this time. And for location and being able to see something like this, I don't know about you, uh, Nathan, if you've been able to experience the you know firework festival things, but it is one of my most favorite things that I've done to this point. And if I am within a uh, stone throw's distance of a firework festival when I'm in Japan, better believe that you're going to see me there at the food stall. So, <laughs> and not just that, 
there were a lot of geisha festivals that took place on the outskirts of Hakone prior to COVID, and I really hope that they'll be returning again here for 2023. And one of those festivals that took place was Hakone Geisha Golden Week Festival that took place in May. And during that Golden Week, the Geisha House in Yumoto would open its doors to visitors to experience music, tea ceremonies, and even performances by geisha, and even have festival activities such as palm reading and so much more. And if you don't speak Japanese, I really recommend that if you find something like this, where you're going to see a performance, you're going to get so much more out of it, because it can be a bit awkward uh, if you do pay for that extended period of time with the geisha. But relying upon that Google Translate, you're just not going to get your money's worth. So if you can find a festive you know, a festival that is like this, you're going to be so much better off. But they had so much going on. There were dance festivals in June. They were in March, May, April, August, September, all over the place. So as borders open up and we have tourists going back and enjoying all these different things again, I really hope that these festivals, especially the summer one located around Lake Ashi and, and its um, historic Hakone Shrine, is going to be one of those things that would normally be held at the end of July and into August. And this week-long event includes the fireworks, the the local performances, and all these different things. But Nathan, one really cool thing was that the fireworks that went on were every night. And they were all along the the shore of Lake Ashley. Imagine like visiting here for a couple of days and just being like, hey, I'm going to go enjoy some new food stalls. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That would be awesome. I have not had the pleasure of doing a firework festival yet. I, I look forward to it. Sounds amazing. It's so much fun, my friend. And these festivals that took place in Hakone, I have a link that I'm going to put in the show document that happened throughout the year. Please check them out. You are going to be offered two different things today. So Nathan has a route for you to follow that really gets the most out of this area. And what I'm going to go ahead and do is sprinkle in some things and some places to stay that may add on. If you do more than a day trip and it becomes something that's a two or three day adventure out in this area, and I really feel after both of us researching this area, it could easily take on that for you. So why don't you go ahead and kick us off, Nathan, and we'll say that we're in Hakone. Once you get into Hakone, the modes of transportation They start to vary quite drastically, and unfortunately, just so everybody knows, the JR Pass cannot be used for any of it. Luckily, however, the Otoku Railway does offer that two or three day free pass that you mentioned, and that covers all the transportation in the Hakone area, and it can be purchased either at Shinjuku Station in Tokyo, Odawada Station, or Hakone Yumoto Station at the Otoku ticket offices. Also, You can actually purchase this online before you go, and we will provide the link in the show notes for you. The Express Romance car that we mentioned earlier can also be booked online as well. Tickets tend to sell out kind of fast for those, so we do recommend you purchase them in advance. Um, They are available one month prior from the travel date that you would want to go on. And especially a note here, If you want that observation car, you have to be within the first 30 seconds, unfortunately, of trying to book (laughs) that. 
Yeah, I tried. I tried for my upcoming trip and I failed. So it it sounds almost like the uh, Ghibli uh, museums for Tokyo, where it's like that month in advance where I was clicking on things and dates and times (laughs) are disappearing before my eyes. And I'm like panicking, like, I don't care. Time just let me go. So, oh, absolutely. I'll give a little hint here for everybody. So they don't. So they learn from my mistake. They offer a booking only or a booking and pay option at the same time. Um, sometimes uh, Japanese systems can be fickle with American or non-Japanese credit cards. And so select the booking only option and don't worry about paying. You'll get an email later that you can pay from, or I believe you can even pay when you get there. Um, so just skip the credit card altogether. Mine got rejected, and that's probably why I lost out on those seats. Well, no, Nathan, I, that's that's great recommendation, and that's you can only get that when you've gone through that uh, yourself. And I am so set on going to the Ghibli Museum again when my son and I visit, and that's going to be a later talk as well. But I have actually paid for a monthly membership to Lawson's that I have in an app just on that off chance, my friend, that I'm already logged in. I already have this stuff and for $3 and something cents a month, if it gets me in and my son to there, it was completely worth it. And I know um, you don't just have this amazing romance car that you're uh, talking about, but that Hakone free pass covers a whole bunch. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the Hakone Free Pass covers, like I said, a lot. It covers the Hakone Tozan train, the Hakone Tozan cable car, the Hakone ropeway, the sightseeing cruise, which is also known as the pirate ships, the Hakone Tozan bus, the Otoku highway bus, the Tokai bus, and the Hakone Tozan Kanko Shisetsu Megui bus. And part of the fare of the romance car from Shinjuku, not all of the fare, because the romance car from Shinjuku is a limited express. You will still need to pay for the limited express ticket portion of the trip from Shinjuku to Hakone or in vice versa. It's uh, 1,220 yen or about 850 at the current exchange rate. Um, the Hakone free pass does cover the general fare, which is an additional 1,200 yen. This is a pretty common payment scheme for any express train in japan there's usually the general fare and then the express ticket so um but the free pass it covers a lot and it, and it's great that you get multiple days uh that are out of it and you know really depending on your location how many days and things like that looked like i found a two-day pass to be around 42 dollars us or 6,100 yen um you know kind of starting you off in shinjuku and around a 5,000 yen or $35 if we were actually coming from Odawara. And I saw that three-day passes were 6,500 for $45, you know, 5,400 or 37, you know, from those different things. And it was nice that they looked to have some children pricing as well. And it was only 1,000 yen to 1,350, so seven or $10. And not having to pay that full price again, even though that's not a lot, is huge. I mean, that's like another, uh, you know, meal for your kids and your family while you're going about. Um, I I love it. And one thing that I was truly interested when I saw uh, we were kind of talking back and forth is Bacone could actually be a stop on the way to Kyoto 
why don't you go ahead and, uh, you know, take us off from there and share a little bit more about the area. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to make Hakone a stop on your way to Kyoto, there are coin lockers, as you mentioned, in the Hakone Yumoto station. You can store your bags, visit the area. The circuit we're going to be talking about starts and ends right there. So you can loop around and pick them back up and, and take off. Uh, if, if you're staying the night, you can drop your bags at your hotel. Most hotels in the area do seem to accept your bag. And so you can drop your bag and explore that section, which is full of onsen and there's food and there's lots of stuff in the area. You can just kind of take a slower pace, really soak up kind of the mountain atmosphere. Uh, if your accommodation will hold your bag until you return, you can always travel hands-free that way. So um, that's another option. You stay the night there. Now you're going to go around in the morning, let them hold your bag, and then you can come pick it up before you leave. So that, that's a, another great option. If in some cases your accommodation is not right there in town, maybe it's further up. One of the times I've stayed there, I stayed up in the Gora area, not really near there. I wasn't going to be there at the end of the day. Um, that just wasn't a thing. So if it's too far or too inconvenient, they have something called the Hakone Carry Service. Uh, baggage services are pretty popular in Japan, and this one is specific to the Hakone area. If it's before 12.30 in the afternoon, you can drop off your bag for $10 or less, depending on the size of the bag, there at Hakone Yumoto Station, right next to the coin lockers. Give them the address of your accommodation, and they will ship it to your hotel or Ryokan that same day. You can explore Hakone, and then your bag will be waiting for you when you arrive that night. If you look at the pricing for a lot of the lockers and things like that, you're spending a few hundred yen to begin with. So like doubling the cost of your um, locker to have someone drop it off for me. My friend, I might do that myself because traveling with large luggage on trains is not a highlight of my adventure <laughs> within Japan. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I like the service that you're bringing up, my friend. We could have a whole conversation, entirely separate episode on how to travel in a small bag. I take only a backpack when I go to Japan. My wife finds me to be a little snobbish about this, and uh, but she's packing only a backpack too, so I, I think I've brought her over to the dark side. I got my son his uh, travel uh, bag as well, and we're going to be uh, the one backpack and going along so we can create our own little uh, group of people for this, my friend, so... And what about, though, like if you were going to check in um, the night before with your accommodation, what, what would you end up saying? Yeah, especially if you're arriving later. This is pretty common. If you happen to be arriving in Hakone a little later, you take your bags with you up to your accommodation. And then you check out and you're like, oh, man, do I have to carry my bag with me? No, no, you don't. The Hakone carry service works both ways. Uh, as long as it's before 10 a.m., you can provide your baggage to the hotel manager there or the staff they will have you fill out a little form they'll help you fill it all out you'll pay them the same fees that you would have if you were at the hakone carry service counter and they will send it back to hakone yumoto station for you and it will arrive there by 1 30 p.m and you can pick it up anytime between 1 30 p.m to the 7 p.m closing so be sure not to miss it otherwise i guess you're staying an extra night with the clothes you have on 
That is, uh, you know, that is good. And my friends, um, there is no wiggle room with that. And I would say, like, don't plan on show- walking up at 655 to get your things. Always give yourself more time because uh, you'll regret it if you don't. Uh, as one of my friends found when we were traveling together, I told him those trains and times in Japan are a hard time. And it's not you need to be stepping onto the train at that time. I'm like, the train is leaving the building already. So <laughs> Now, before we start talking about today's day trip, I wanted to give a quick shout out. Read more Japanese, push your career further, and lower the ceiling on that last 10% of your learning with Maple Lopo Schoolhouse. College caliber training designed specifically for readers and serious learners of Japanese. Enroll at mapleloposchoolhouse.com. The pronunciation, Maple Lopo, rhymes with maple, so Maple Lopo. The Google Doc for the show that includes a map link for the locations we're going to discuss in today's show is included in our notes. And you know what? Go ahead and pause. Pull it up and follow along with us today because we're going to go to the middle of November as kind of our booking and lodging cost for our trips. And as usual, I went ahead with Nathan and we spent some time in Hokone before you are arriving. And you know what? These one or two days adventures are going to be something that are going to be a highlight of your trip. I can just guarantee it. And what's going to happen today is we're actually going to seesaw back and forth. Now, Nathan's path is more of a direct path. So if you want the whole circuit, follow along with him and kind of ignore what I'm saying. (laughs) And uh, after you can come back along and you could say, hey, this is around where Nathan was talking about. Maybe I want to add these things in or possibly you're like, I don't want to do the circuit. I just want to kind of hit some things I'm interested in. Um, you can take mine in as well. So, Nathan, without further ado, my friend, why don't you go ahead and start sharing about that circuit? Absolutely. Hakone is one of those places with a lot of potential and flexibility. The main loop that I usually recommend takes you over the mountain, across the lake, through the town of Hakone, and it makes for a fun trek that can be done in a single day so if you're in tokyo you're looking for a nice day trip especially spring or fall because the weather's great then consider hakone a really good option for that however if you do want to get the most out of the area i really do recommend staying at least one night i don't think two are necessary but as you've mentioned there's a lot to do there and if you have the time it will allow you to see more and just relax that much more The travel path we will be taking today starts and ends at Hakone Yumoto Station, so it is a convenient place to stay. The area is full of onsen and hotels that include onsen on their properties. My recommendation is to stay at Yaeikan, located only a five-minute walk from the station. Their rooms feature traditional tatami floors with shared bathrooms and public onsen separated for men and women. Be aware that the men and women onsen switch at 10 p.m. every night and again at 9.30 every morning. So keep your eye out for the signs, maybe learn a little kanji, and don't walk into the wrong one. The rooms range from 34,000 yen, or about $231 a night, to 60,000 yen, or $408 a night, depending on the size of the room and the type of meal that you have selected. There are also two private onsen that can be reserved free of charge. They do offer free cancellation on many rooms, 
free Wi-Fi, and most rooms come with breakfast and dinner. But you must be checked in by 7 p.m. if you want to be served dinner, and I really mean that. Be there by (laughs) 6.30 or 6 o'clock. Yes. Because you will not be served dinner if you are even one minute late. (laughs) No, I I agree, my friend. And, um, you know, that that is like going to be something that's going to be coming up in my uh, portion of talks, too. There are like specific times that they have. And it's something that you need to be aware of ahead of time, because some of the locations that we're going to be talking about are out uh, in the middle of not nowhere, but way removed from your local uh, Lawson's. So it's that's super, super important. So that's a good good thing to bring up and be aware of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, there are also I just want to let everybody know this. There are also private bathrooms and private onsen. These are a great way to relax, especially if you aren't comfortable doing the public baths. Their price is a little higher. It ranges from 62,000 yen or $423 a night to 90,000 yen or $613 a night. Again, this depends on the size of room you select and the type of meal that you select. You can certainly splurge at this Ryokan, but you can also do it on a budget if you create a little room there if that's where you're at. Meals can be served in your room or enjoyed in the public dining area. These delicate kaiseki meals consist of fish and other seafood, egg, beef, and a wide variety of vegetables. I just want to highlight that if you have an opportunity to try one of these kaiseki meals, they are fantastic and elegant. Uh, Just note that the variety is not, you, you can't really tell them you don't want something. You just have to not eat it if you're a picky eater. So, um, and you may not know what you're eating also in some of these little small dishes. Just enjoy it. It is a treat and a really a throwback to some truly traditional, original Japanese cuisine untouched by international influences. Uh, Yaekan will also hold your bags for you if you arrive prior to check-in. So arrive early. Explore the area around this Ryokan. The town there is saturated with delicious food on every street and interesting souvenir stores. As mentioned by Michael earlier, there are geisha experiences available and a variety of other entertainment. If you aren't staying the night and it's just a day trip, you may not have time to do as much exploring of this area. As you arrive in Hakone Yumoto Station, instead, you would exit that romance car, walk directly across to the other side of the platform, and get on the Hakone Tozan train that takes you up to your ropeway. If you need to leave your bags, the lockers are right there off the platform. Excellent, my friend. And like I said, we're going to be going back and forth. uh, So please uh, don't use mine as the next stop. This is instead, I'm going to be focusing my talk to start on the actual city of Hakone and a very small area within that. And we're going to begin our adventure as well on the Hakone in station. I'll wave at Nathan as we pass pass. And I normally like to get something to eat before I go out and explore. But you know what, my friend? I'm going to go ahead and drop my luggage off at the Prince Hakone Ashinoko uh, Hotel like area. And they have check-in after 3 p.m. And you need to be checked out by 10 a.m. But I'm going to drop my bags off, and I really decided to splurge. 
all the pricing in this area is definitely uh, higher than normal for a lot of our talks, but it really fits in that this is a place that people go to go get away uh, inside and outside Japan. So you're going to pay for that, my friends. After I drop my bags off, I'm going to go ahead and look to grab something to eat before I begin exploring this magnificent area. I had issues trying to book, though, directly with them when I was using Chrome and Google when it wasn't a package deal. It did translate when I did, like, you know, select English and do all those different things, but the dates and me actually booking just didn't work. When I went to book a package deal, I had no issues. I could end up going through, but let me tell you right now, it looks like everybody in the country and those from abroad are heading to this area because a lot of the dates are gone. So I would recommend trying to book as far out in advance as possible. And one great thing that this location has is they have phone in English, Chinese, and Korean. And I would truly um, recommend if you were in Japan to dial their number, which is 0120-008686, and go ahead and book ahead of time with them. If you are calling from overseas, the one number they have is 0367419155. And of course, all of that will change depending on what country you're calling from. But look to take advantage of that and try to book as far in advance as possible and just make sure that you're getting what you want. If you're spending this much, my friends, you really want to make sure that you're going to enjoy um, everything that is possible. One of the packages that they offered gave you a lake view of Lake Ashy, a drink at dinner, a seasonal cake set, and drinks at the lounge that is at the hotel. Your dinner and main meal for this plan are through a restaurant called Le Trion, which requires advanced reservation at either 5.30 or 6. And you heard two times, if that is correct, 5.30 or 6. So you need to book this in advance, uh, and that's why I would recommend really going through the phone to book this. The French and Japanese cuisine also includes a glass of wine that is paired with your meal, and the breakfast here at Lakeside Grill is served from 7.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. And again, as we've already said before, make sure your order is in before 9.30 if you want to take advantage of that. Your choice of American-style or Japanese-style breakfast is provided. And for those of you who have food allergies, they do support allergies when it comes to being shrimp, crab, wheat, buckwheat, egg, milk, peanuts. Uh, but that is all at the time. And pricing for this package for November ranges from $300 to $366 per person. Pricing for two people, of course, is going to be more. Um, but you're still paying for each person, as is the case with a lot of these different locations. So, you know, take that into account when booking what you have. Now, they offer a wide variety of plans, ones that include hot spring visits, uh, different restaurants, seasonal cake, breakfast only, dinner only, and afternoon tea. So check it out um, at the link that we'll provide in the show notes. And there were a couple different things, Nathan, that I noticed in reviews. One of was that the location itself um, has, if you're booking, adult areas. So it might be when they have like one of these events going on where you're booking that they group together you away from people with families just to have kind of a more quiet time. 
also nice about staying at this location is you have access to the gondola, you have access to a sauna, and you have access to two onsen, one which is open air, and it's just a 10-minute walk away, and they're open till 11 p.m., my friend. At the end of a long day, what better way to, you know, wrap up your time before going to, you know, pass out after we rode around the whole day? And one other small uh, perk is that you get free tickets to the aquarium, albeit small, with a seal show that runs every 15 minutes. Also on a clear day, the hotel courtyard is located on the shore of Lake Ashi and will provide you with a nice view of Mount Fuji. Now, if that doesn't sell it, I don't know what does, my friend. Just make sure, like I said, that a lot of the reservations and things are for around that 5 p.m. time, and there's not really anything surrounding it at all. There are no Lawson's. There are no different things you have. So what I would recommend is on your journey in, go ahead and grab some snacks and throw them into your baggage so that at night you get a craving for something to eat. You already have it there for you. This location does offer shuttle services to and from the, the train station, and it's a long way. There are no buses uh, that are running on a regular route. So really just kind of plan accordingly and just make sure that you are kind of planning in advance because everywhere in the world right now is short-staffed. So that could end up impacting your ability to get in and out. So don't let that ruin your time. I'd recommend starting your day as early as possible so that you don't have to worry about it. And I'm going to go back now to Nathan. And Nathan, my friend, I'm going to let you continue on with your circuit talk. Jumping back to Hakone Yumoto Station. While you're in there, in the area, whether you're staying there or you choose to just stop in on your way, I do just want to recommend a couple of places. One of them is the Grand Riviere. They make these delicious hexagonal-shaped honey cheese tarts. They are 250 yen a piece and worth every bite. And that area right around them is also full of little food shops and restaurants and dessert shops. Uh, It's a great, it's really close to the station, so it's a great hop out of the station kind of get a sense of the area and go back if you want to. Also, I know, Mike, you're a big fan of curry. Right across from the Ryokan that I suggested earlier, Yaekan, is Kokoro, a curry house. It has a simple interior, but this restaurant does all of its talking with the quality of food, offering an English menu. You can order traditional pork cutlet, curry, and rice for about 1,800 yen or get a stew for 1,200 yen. They also have specials that combine several of their various options. There are many options like this in and around Hakone Yamoto, but we must carry on with the rest of our journey. If you are going to stay one night, I recommend that you arrive in the morning to Hakone Yamoto, drop your bag as mentioned before, explore the town, and then rest. Enjoy the onsen there at your Ryokan in the afternoon to the evening, have your dinner, then get up early the next morning, leave your bags with your accommodation, or use the Hakone Carry service and begin your journey by about 8 a.m. because you're going to have a full day to explore the rest of the valley. Now, Nathan and I are going to be talking about two separate ropeways and journeys that are there. So, as he's going to talk about his, it's a different location than the one that I'm going to be talking to to help get you a view of Mount Fuji. 
there are many ways to see Mount Fuji. Just in my specific one, um, we have that shaved into our Google Maps and just something to be aware of. Uh, Nathan, why don't you go ahead and continue talking about your ropeway. Whether or not you spent the night or you're doing a day trip, you're at Hakone Yumoto Station, you're going to use your Hakone Free Pass. Or if you don't have one, uh, pay the 450 yen to board the Hakone Tozan train. It's on the same platform that the romance car would have come in on or any other train that you would have come in on. And we're going to head towards Gora. This train takes about 45 minutes to climb the steep mountains all the way up to the tiny Gora station. Upon exiting the train at Gora station, you're going to follow the signs for the cable cars. These cable cars are little train cars that are pulled up the hill by cables due to the steep nature of the incline. Trust me, you do not want to walk this incline. I have tried. You will end up sweaty at the top. It's going to ruin the rest of your day. Just pay the 430 yen if you don't have the Hakone free pass. Just do it. Yeah, it's worth it. The cars are available every 15 minutes. So very quick. And you will want to take it from Gora Station all the way to the end of Sunzan Station. That's the end of the line. You don't have to worry about where to get off. It's the last one. Again, as I mentioned, the Hakone Free Pass does cover this, and it does cost 430 yen if you don't have it. Attached to the Sonzan Station is the ropeway. The gondolas are available every minute. They're constantly moving. Lines here are generally long, especially in spring and fall but they do move quickly. There are actually two segments of this ropeway for you to take. The first, from Sunzan to Owakudani, is 950 yen if you do not have the Hakone free pass. But it, again, these are included in that free pass if you have it. It stops at Owakudani, which is known for its black eggs. These eggs are cooked in the sulfur there in the volcanic region. It's very active, which causes the shells to turn black. There's also a geological museum there and a small souvenir shop. If the sulfur that day is too strong or thick, the ropeway will be closed, but alternative buses will be provided. Whether you choose to linger in Oakudani or head straight to the lake, another ropeway will be required. Costing 1,250 yen without the free pass, this ropeway is your opportunity to see Fuji. As it crests its final peak, Fuji will on a clear day, suddenly rise up before you, and usually you can hear the audible gasps as everyone in the gondola stands amazed at its majesty. My friend, I can't think of a better way to see Fuji. Curry? And then, you know, a cable car that I don't have to walk up and be out of breath at and make my way up? Let's uh, call that a win for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Getting to the peak of an active volcano, Komaga Dake, after utilizing the cable cars, the Hakone Inn station near my lodging for the Prince Hakone Ashinoko is something many can do, regardless of being an avid climber or not. I do believe the ride is covered with your stay if you do, but if you don't, you can purchase a ticket from the Ryugen Honaken One Day Hot Spring Pass for just 3,100 yen. So you get a cable car up and you get some onsen for your time, which may just be, especially if this is day two or three, just what the doctor ordered. And, and on average, looks to be about a 10 degree difference in temperature. And this could be something that feels great in summer, but may, may not feel as great in winter or coolest times of year. 
One thing to be aware of is that the trails up to the peak can be closed off when gas is venting from the vents of the volcano. But regardless of getting to the peak or not, there are numerous amazing views of Fuji to be enjoyed on those clear days. It seems to be a pattern for us today, Nathan. Now, there are many trails and mountain peaks you can enjoy that are way more in depth than my choice for today. But unless you're an avid climber or a hiker already with experience doing so in Japan, I'd recommend going with a group or your own private guide. It's able to see a variety of services for this, such as toursbylocal.com, link provided in show notes, and you could check out our resources page as well as I'm gonna be adding that in as well. You could talk to our friends at Rediscover Tours, Japan Travel Adventure, Snow Monkey Tours, and just others that we've had in the past to help set this up. I will also include in the show notes some recommendations for pass for hiking in the area as for those that also want to go on their own at the www.env.go.jp. When you are done with the ropeway and my circuit after doing the black eggs and you see Fuji come down the mountain, you exit the gondola, you will be able to follow the crowd to the ship terminal. It's right there off the, the gondola exit. You'll need to wait in line uh, to board these ships. It can get quite crowded, but these these boats hold a lot. They are called the pirate ships. They're not old pirate ships from, you know, way back when, but they do look like pirate ships. They're red and one's green and they're fantastic looking. And they are covered under your free pass and they allow you to sail across Lake Ashi. They actually have three different terminals they stop at. So you could hop on it and do a full loop if you wanted to. But if you don't have the free pass, the one-way trip that we're going to be taking costs about 1,050 yen, and I believe it is 1,930 yen if you want to do the full round trip. If you want to spend a little bit more, up to 770 extra yen for a first-class cabin to take a ride in style and comfort, it can get quite cold out there on the water with the wind. I don't usually carry a jacket with me anywhere I go, and I was sort of wishing I had one when I was there in the spring. So it does get quite cold. Absolutely worth doing. Eh, maybe pay for that extra first-class cabin. Not too much more. And I think uh, I heard that if you book that first-class cabin, uh, that there's a hundred percent less risk of scurvy, my friend. Uh, that, that may just that may, that may not be correct, but. Uh, Go, go ahead, my friend. I just had <laughs> yeah. to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, for our recommended circuit, you're only going to take one segment of this ride. You're going to take the ship from Togendai, where your gondola exited, to Hakone Machi, which is the first stop. The ride takes about 25 minutes and affords a view of Fuji on a clear day. Once you arrive at Hakone Machi, there are only a few places to eat, and Hakone Machi is sparsely populated. There is, however, an Edo area military checkpoint worth visiting. This checkpoint existed between the 16 and 1700s, and it was put in place to prevent large quantities of weapons coming into the city. All people going through there had to have everything inspected. It's kind of like going through TSA at the airport, right? And there was another purpose, though. During the time that the emperor in Edo, which was Tokyo at the time, in order to control all of the feudal lords in the surrounding areas, those feudal lords were required to send their wives to Edo as hostages. And these checkpoints were created to make sure they weren't trying to smuggle their way out. 
So it's got a little bit of a museum-esque feel to it. There's a couple little shops in the area right there. You can get some, some souvenirs. And as you walk through that checkpoint, you will eventually exit to a park. And it's a beautiful park with a couple of trails. It's on a kind of a peninsula there, sticking out into the lake. And on a clear day, you can also get a very good view of Fuji. If you notice, we talk about Fuji a lot and we say, if on a clear day, because it is quite common for Fuji to be covered and you never know hour to hour if it will decide to show itself. And so always keep an eye on that horizon if it happens to be cloudy that day, because at each of these points, you may have an opportunity to see it. And if you have multiple days, that's always you know a good option because you'll have more chances. So yeah, this park, it's not required. It's nice. It's fun. There is a a uh, few areas that are interesting to see. But whether you go through it or you choose to skip it, that's fine. Either way, what you want to do is head to the Cedar Path. And we're going to have this pinned for you in the maps on the show notes so you don't miss it. This Cedar Avenue is part of the original Tokaido Road that we talked about earlier. The cedars were supposedly planted in 1618 to help protect travelers from the sunlight and the wind. And they have grown up tall and offer a great hallway through the forest along the main road. Hey, Nathan. Uh, you know what, my friend? I- I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Uh, one, because I have my first shot at a Japanese curry chili that is in the crock pot. And dinner is going to be ready for me uh, when we're done recording here. And the other is I- I'm going to go a little bit out of Akone and buy a little bit all the way back to Tokyo. <laughs> and you may say, you know, how? How, Mike? How, how can you do this to me? Uh, but there's something I found out when researching this area and Mount Fuji. Again, we're going to say it again. Please don't do a drinking game with Mount Fuji for this recording, please. Please, I tell you. Um, but there's one way that is very unique that you can get some amazing views of Hokone and Mount Fuji, albeit in a very expensive way. And this is just really too cool for me to hold on and forget about. And, you know, when I finally do talk about Tokyo, I'm going to forget about it. Uh, but for around 1400 US dollars, you and two other friends can take a 70 minute helicopter tour all the way to Mount Fuji. It takes up from the Tokyo heliport, which is southeast from downtown Tokyo by Kodo City. And the trip does require good weather. So refunds and date changes are all a part of you booking through them. And the really cool thing about this is this adventure is completely wheelchair accessible. And the one thing, though, is, my friend, Nathan, if you're a diver, you cannot take this within 24 hours of you diving. So give yourself a couple days. Don't end up in the hospital uh, with the elevations and things like that uh, just because you were diving the day before. and You know, besides seeing Mount Fuji, you're going to see a lot of other things along the way. Um, You can see um, Ashinoko. You can end up seeing Tokyo Tower. Um, There's just so much that's going to be popping up along the way. And if you divide that 1400 amongst uh, your three people, truly not a bad thing. And it's definitely going to be something that you're going to remember for forever. There are multiple sites that you can book this. One of those is Viator.com, B-I-A-T-O-R. And the link for that will be in today's show notes as well. Wow. Well, I mean, if, if we're cheating, 
fourteen hundred dollars that is that is quite quite the amount but i imagine it's it's amazing as i mentioned i do i do tours and self-guided and guided and you can you can find those you know since we're cheating you can find those over at the japan tour company.com uh if that's too long don't worry about it jptour.co nice short and sweet or you can find me on instagram at the japan tour company or on facebook at facebook.com slash the japan tour company and you know just a little tidbit here fourteen hundred dollars man uh, i have a one thousand dollar budget tour of tokyo just saying buy our airfare book that I, I think that's a that's a that's a good way to spend that money <laughs> no doubt my friend no doubt and, and you'll, you'll find out if i'm on that tour and there are pictures that are popping up on my instagram it's because i've won the lotto so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know yep. who knows if, if, if it's your once in a lifetime trip I think, you know, Absolutely. you know, if you got some time to save for it, you can get it. And your uh, budget travel is definitely uh, something recommended as well. One thing I think we could talk about for a whole nother episode is that Japan can be as affordable or as expensive as you want it to be. And it's just, um, you know, it, it has so much to offer. Yeah, it really, it really can be. I mean, you can go on nickels and dimes and eat out of 7-Elevens every single day or you can go to Michelin star restaurants half the trip. I mean, it's it's got a wide variety. If you don't mind, my friend, let's go back to that Cedar Avenue that you were uh, um, alluding to, and we'll keep on going uh, from there. Yeah, the, the Cedar Avenue is not a very long walk, and that walk will take you from the Hakone Machi, where you landed, to where the boat would go next, which is the Moto Hakone area. Other than a small art museum, there aren't too many other attractions right there in town. That being said, it is a beautiful area. Watch out for the large Tory gates. Cars can actually drive under them. They're over the, the road themselves. They are actually the Tory gates for the Hakone Shrine. There are three of these large Tory gates that you pass through. The first one is right as you exit the Cedar Avenue. The second is on the other edge of this little town when you leave the Moto Hakone area. And the third is the final one on a lantern-lined path leading to the shrine itself. So you, after you've stopped for lunch, gotten something to eat, maybe shopped around a little bit, head down that direction, kind of along the lake towards the Hakone shrine. There is also a large Tori gate on the lake itself at the entrance of the shrine. It's a great photo opportunity. The shrine itself was built in 575 AD at the peak of Hakone Mountain and was moved here to its current location in 1667, and it was a shrine that was popular with samurai, so it's definitely something you might want to dig into if you're a samurai fan. Well, my friend, I, you know, I, I hear your small museum and raise you a larger one. Uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, the one in particular that I'm going to talk about is the Hakone Open Air Museum that's just a two-minute walk for Choko Kunomori Station. The museum is best enjoyed on days with no rain, as it is an open-air outdoor museum that is filled with sculptures and an amazing stained-glass tower. Please go look at these pictures. A park and a pretty amazing Picasso pavilion that is home to an extensive collection of Picasso's original ceramic works, some oil paintings, and prints. 
the museum is closed when weather is poor, such as storms, and the museum offers the ability for you to even sign up in advance with your children and make some pretty unique items that are actually items that are like taught to be made by local artists. On their website, you can also see a list of individual and group exhibits that you can look forward to on your visit. And you can even get a small discount by purchasing your tickets ahead of time for the museum and printing them out with you. Yes, I know, printing them out. <laughs> but you can do that if you end up losing those tickets at a local Lawson's or things that are here. The discounted tickets are about 100 yen less, with adults being around 1,600 yen, university students being around 1,100, junior high and elementary students for 800 yen, and the museum's hours are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. year-round. Every Saturday, up to five children are free with each paying adult as well. And I'm sure it's a lot busier then, but who knows? I said you might make some friends along the way. The museum looks to involve you with as much as possible on your visit and even has some YouTube videos to help familiarize yourself and your family with the sculptures you're going to see. You can park for around five hours for only 500 yen if you're able to drive to the museum. And there's a 7-Eleven by this museum as well, which could help you save some money for your adventure, your hike, your climb, or just visiting Hakone in general. What, what do you think uh, you're going to do next, my friend? Yeah, so here we are at the Hakone Shrine, and I just want to put some context for where we are. If you were to continue walking past the shrine another 20 or 30 minutes, you would actually reach Hakone-en, the ropeway you mentioned, and that pr Prince Hakone Ashinoko Hotel. So this is another way you could get there by choosing to do your loop and end the day there by just hiking your way there. At this point, we have done almost the full loop around Hakone. Now, depending on how much time you have, first, we're going to have to walk back to Motohakone, another 20-minute walk back to the bus station from where we were. If it is only 2 or 3 p.m., you may have time to go to a very special tea house. It's absolutely worth doing, but just as a note, the tea house closes at 5.30 p.m., and the last bus departs before closing at 5.10 p.m. So if you aren't careful, you'll end up having to walk quite a bit further to get to another bus that is running until much later. If you want to go to the tea house, you'll need to make sure you use bus platform 5 at the Moto Hakone bus stop. If you are just heading back to the Hakone Yumoto station to, con to complete this circuit that we've done, then you will use platform 1 or 2 to get there. The bus ride up to Hakone Yumoto to complete this circuit is a 35-minute, very windy ride. It can be a little bit crowded on those buses if you happen to be standing because you're required to because there's nowhere else to sit. Please make sure you're holding on to something. Uh, you get jostled around a little bit on this ride and you don't want to end up sitting on some poor old lady's lap. I'm going to be taking my motion sickness pills is what it sounds like, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit windy. One thing that I'm going to go ahead and throw in uh, as a possible uh, near Gora Station is the Emblem Flow Kitchen and Bar. And it can be a bit busy at times because of its close proximity to the station. And one really cool thing is this location is not only a meal option, 
but it is actually um, a possible lodging as well. And they offer a Japanese take on North American cuisine. And if you're feeling homesick, this is the breakfast or lunch or dinner for you. Now, don't worry. You don't have to stay here to enjoy the wonderful meals for this spot. And it is its own restaurant. So it's not like you're going into a hotel lobby to sit and eat. And if you're not interested in the craft beer option I'm going to be talking about a little bit later, this could be a perfect late night dining option as well. Because in Hakone, one thing you're going to run into is that a lot of places end up closing early. And if you're traveling with family um, and you have kids and you need a high chair, this is a location for you. Their menu focuses on a lot of seasonal items and changes throughout the year. And if you're staying there for multiple days, you're going to find that the menu can change within just a couple days time. The breakfast spot that I'm talking about, Nathan, it has waffles, it has eggs and just normal breakfast items that I have grown to love, but you don't expect to see within Japan. And one great thing is you can reserve your spot ahead of time to take advantage of the hours from 7.30 a.m. till 10 p.m. The hotel portion of things has rooms for families, a quad-style room for around 17,800 yen for no private bath and around 23,540 yen for a private bath per night. You can also end up servicing groups of eight solo travelers and so the solo travelers have dorm style rooms that are separated by men and women for around 4,600 yen to 6,270 yen. Um, it really depends on what type of bed or things you have because it's all about location, really, isn't it? Um, but I would recommend those uh, travel endorsed earplugs if you choose those rooms, okay? Now, if you're traveling with your partner, um, they offer rooms with private baths and without rooms for these with private baths are around 5,700 yen and without for around 4,500 washing machines are available for 200 yen and dryers and laundry detergent are 100 yen each breakfast and dinner is not included though with these costs but are of course readily available the meal plans offered um, with rooms at the time of researching are really not worth it from what I'm seeing that you're being charged. So just book your night and then you can eat at that location and save yourself some money. One really um, nice perk for this hotel and their dining options are that they are LGBTQ plus friendly. So if you and your partner are going there, you can expect not to be hassled about being, you know, two men, two women, whatever it is that you have. Just enjoy your dining, enjoy your stay. Now back to Nathan with one of my favorite things to enjoy in Japan. As I mentioned, there is this tea house in the Hakone area, specifically in the Moto Hakone area. It is located on the road between Hakone and the Hakone Yumoto station. It's relatively easy to access by bus. Like I mentioned, you're going to get on that platform five at the Moto Hakone bus stop. And this tea house is called Amasake Chaya, or Sweet Sake Tea House. They serve Amazake, which is a sweet, non-alcoholic rice drink, unlike sake, which is alcoholic. There is a lot of history in this tea house, and the staff are extremely helpful and friendly, and they also have an English menu. If you didn't want to take the bus, 
you could instead walk along the old Tokaido Road. And when I say old, I mean it. They are cobbled stones on this section of the road. It's even marked on Google Maps in parts, which we'll have on the maps in the show notes. You can walk from the shrine where we were at, the Hakone Shrine, or from Moto Hakone. Either way, it's going to take you 30 to 40 minutes to walk this. It's only a mile to two miles, depending on where you're starting from. But, you know, make sure you have good shoes that day with the cobbled stones. But you can walk this old road right to the tea house. The road runs right behind it. The current owner of this tea house is the 13th generation to run it of the family. And the recipe and process for making this amazake has changed very little in all of that time. We're talking about a tea house that has been operating exactly the same way for over 300 years. This is a fantastic way to experience a little taste of old Edo Japan. The tea house is also loosely connected to a major event in Japanese history, the story of the 47 Ronin. This story is well known throughout Japan. Plays have been made of it, and probably most citizens in Japan would recognize it if you asked them about it. I don't want to get too much in the weeds on this, but it's about Asano. He was a feudal lord who was appointed to entertain imperial envoys visiting Edo, or Tokyo, from Kyoto. The man who was put in charge of him was Kira, and Kira did not like Asano. Constantly disrespected him. Finally, Asano could take no more. He drew his sword and cut Kira's face, but did not kill him. However, you were not allowed to draw your sword in the Edo castle at that time. Asano was arrested and sentenced to death by seppuku, which is the samurai way of stabbing themselves in the chest. Without an investigation of any kind, not only did he die, but they stripped him of his titles, his land, his honor, everything, and his family was left with nothing. Asano had 47 samurai, known as ronin, that were under him and were loyal to him, and they vowed revenge on Kira, and they waited two years before taking out this revenge. And finally, when that two-year time came and they were rallied together, they had to travel from all across Japan to get to Tokyo in order to confront Kira, and one of those samurai passed through Hakone on this Tokaido road and had tea at this tea house and even had a little scuffle with a merchant there, as the story goes, before continuing on to confront Kira. Ultimately, the 47 Ronin did confront him and killed Kira and then turned themselves in and all took their own lives because of the dishonor that that type of revenge was. And so this tea house, their claim to fame is that they are connected, if not loosely, to this story uh, that is quite famous throughout Japan. That's the one that I'd want to cross. And you know what, Nathan? Maybe uh, Kira could have benefited from this location I'm going to talk about next and had a beverage and relaxed a bit. (laughs) And... You know, I I think Gora Brewery and Grill is a great option to add to your itinerary. And it is located near that open air museum that I was talking about earlier. 
and you can reserve your spot ahead of time. It's one of those things I'm beginning to find out about this area from places I'm looking to that I love just knowing that I have that. Uh, as some of these, especially as tourism picks up, it's going to get harder and harder to have that time. There is a cover charge of 500 yen per person to be aware of, but OnePlus is their menu is in Japanese and English on their website. They accept American Express and other credit cards. But one thing I would say is just call your credit card company ahead of time and make sure they're ready for a charge from Japan. So you're not embarrassed <laughs> and them saying uh, your card has been declined. Now they offer draft beer for around 800 yen or a flight of beer for 1,800 yen. Their bottled beer ranges from 800 to 1,300 each. Wine for 800 to 900 yen. Sake from 900 to 1,300 yen. And whiskey from 1,000 to 2,200 yen. Gin and vodka for 900 yen, along with some tea. Soda, sparkling water, and yuzu tonic, all ranging from 500 to 1,000 yen. Now, their starters range from 700 yen to 1,800 yen and can include edamame, eggplant, sausage, fish and chips, and let me tell you, an amazing looking pizza, and even wagyu gyoza. Salad is offered as well for 1,000 to 1,500 yen. Sushi between 900 to 2,200 yen. Skewers of salmon, beef cheek toro and more from 2000 to 3400 yen and main dishes that can actually be shared and that is an oddity in japan shared between two to three people with great drinks for between 6000 yen to 8200 yen for chicken spare ribs pork rib loin and lamb chops and you can even get some dry aged wagyu for around 13,000 yen. And luckily for those of you that are more budget conscious, you know, on our trip, I'm there with you. For just 800 yen, you can enjoy some amazing homemade bread made with beer yeast. And why not tack on a dessert as well? There are two different types. There are ice cream for 600 yen or a cinnamon dessert for 700. You can choose to purchase a variety of beer to even take home with you as well, which I'm, Nathan, planning on doing. Next visit, I'm going to be mailing this back home. Uh, they have hoodies. They have glasses. They have bottles. They have bikes. They have all these different really cool things that you can order online or just get there. And who knows? Uh, when we meet Nathan, uh, which I will really feel we were at some point in time, We'll end up sharing some of that pizza and a beverage uh, in Hakone. When catching the last bus from Hakone Yumoto from the tea house, remember to stay on the same side of the road as the tea house, which should be the same side of the road you were dropped off on. The bus will come pick you up. Remember that 5, 10 p.m. last bus. Don't be at the tea house till closing or you will be walking. Now you are back at Hakone Yumoto Station. Don't forget to pick up your bags at your accommodation or the Hakone carry service or the lockers, depending on where you left them. If you are heading into Tokyo, Kyoto, or Osaka, take the Hakone Yumoto Tozan train, which is covered by the free pass, to Odawara Station and catch your appropriate Shinkansen. Staying a second night, 
rest in the onsen, and relax from the long day. Being that Nathan has given us a full itinerary, and I have filled this in along the way, and it's already a longer episode, we're going to pass on the show's honorable mentions. Don't worry, though, they'll be returning for our next day trip adventure. With that, my friend, I think I'm going to call it a night as well, so we can welcome that tour group in the AM. And I hope you had a wonderful time with us in Hakone today. Now, my friends, we will be moving on with your trip in Japan as we take suggestions from one of our first Patreon members, David, for our next day trip idea. And we'll even past that, go on to the city of Noda, which was famous in the Edo period as being the soy sauce city of Japan and was supposedly the birthplace to one of the most famous soy sauce brands in the world, Kikoman Soy Sauce. You have all of that and so much more to look forward to with the next day trip episode of Lost Without Japan. Now, our housekeeping, please give a follow, a like, a comment on your favorite streaming service, and for updates on the show, feel free to give a follow at Instagram at Lost Without Japan or lostwithoutjapan.lipson.com. And if you'd like to reach out directly in that old-fashioned way, please feel free to email directly at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com. My friend, before I get going into our outro and a little uh, plug for Road Bike Rental Japan, why don't you go ahead and give us uh, all the different ways that we can get a hold of you and the services that you're offering. Yes, absolutely. I am available on Instagram and Facebook at the Japan Tour Company. You can find me there. You can message me there. I'm happy to answer questions, respond, just give you little tips for your itinerary. It doesn't even have to be about using my service. If you are interested in email, you can email me at travel at the Japan Tour Company.com. Otherwise, the social is the best way to get in touch with me or thejapantourcompany.com and jptour.co for those who don't want to type quite as much. On our website, we have everything that we offer from guided tours to self-guided tours. You know, if you don't need a guide and you don't want someone to plan it for for you, just take a peek and steal some ideas. That's totally fine too. We lay everything out. If you have any questions, let me know. I would love to travel to Japan with you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Nathan. It's been a joy, and I can definitely uh, uh, have a standing invite to join again at any time in the future, my friend. Uh, Now, with Road Bike Rental, Road Bike Rental Japan provides a cycling solution to those wishing to go cycling or just tour Japan by bike. This nationwide delivery option that they offer is just outstanding. And it allows you to explore even more of Japan on two wheels and at your own pace. More details of all of that RBRJ services offer can be found at roadbikerentaljapan.com. And Nathan, I'm going to be going on to our outro here with our song of the show because after this show comes out, I will have seen Bandmade uh, live in Chicago. So that's going to be a little bit of our uh, show, song of the show. But with that, my friends, on behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us on this trip. And we're looking forward to seeing you on board again in two weeks time for our next episode. To everyone out there, oh, ginky day, 
Stay well, my friends. Song of the show is going to be Unleash, performed by Bandmade. And I'll have a YouTube link for you to enjoy the wonderful animation that comes along with that in our show notes. Thanks to everyone. Thank you, Nathan. It has been a blast. Anytime, I'm a little bit of a little 